0: Lush Ladies podcast where we talk about historical women while sipping on some hard beverages. Sit back, drink up, and get ready to be educated. Son. Sister. Sister. Well, I'm Emmy. And I'm Kim. And today's episode is on female survivors.
1: Yes. So, Kim, what is your drink of choice today? Oh, yeah. Um, today, I'm going to be drinking Saki by Hakatsuru. And it's a level Nailed four Saki. Yeah, here's what it looks what like. What does that mean? It means it's oh. strong. Oh. oh. I think. Now I know. <laughs> but <laughs> I just had a pad tie, so it went very well. With oh. That. Nice pairing. Thanks. Good job. What's your drink? Okay,
0: I am drinking New Belgium's Liquid Paradise IPA. It's like the Voodoo Ranger Ooh. deal. This oh. is what it looks like. It has a cool... Where's my camera? Doesn't he have it have a skeleton? It has a cool, like, skeleton. Yeah. 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 Um, I Googled... Like, I can't see on the can how many IBUs it has, but it doesn't seem like there's that many um, for an IPA, at least. And it's pretty fruity, so that's good. Like that. I so want to try that. Yes. Sponsor us, uh, Voodoo Ranger.
1: Sponsor us, Saki. Any kind of Saki company. <laughs> All Sakis. <laughs> All Sakis. Okay. So we're jumping into our overview on survival, and that is a hard thing to research. Actually, if you just Google survival. It's like, it shows a bunch of breast cancer Mm. stuff, to be honest. It's pretty sad. It always comes, you said like. Oh. (laughs) No, um, No more saying that. All right. So, survival is the fact of staying alive. And this was posted in a journal on January 3rd in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science so you know it's real.
0: Sounds legit. Yeah, it sounds pretty legit. I hope it's
1: real. Women yeah. have a longer life expectancy than men do under normal circumstances. And now a new study Woo. from Denmark in Germany reveals that women also outlive men even in the worst of times.
0: And the best of times.
1: Ye. <laughs> Yee. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Researchers found that women had, on average, a longer life expectancy when facing the harshest conditions, including famines and epidemics, than men did. The study found wow. that even... Wow. I know, I don't even know what to say. I'm honored. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I'm honored. I really feel privileged to be here, to be a lady. Thank you. We are Cheers. bowing right now. <laughs> Namaste. The study found that even under extremely harsh and critical conditions, women have a survival advantage. Research has suggested that under normal conditions, biological reasons play an important role, along with environmental and behavioral factors. However, there was little evidence about whether women would have a survival advantage over men under critical, highly life-threatening conditions. So the researchers decided to investigate these situations to tease out whether the differences observed could be explained by biological or environmental Whoa. factors. Are they
0: killing people? Or are they, like, trying to kill
1: people to see? It's like a Hunger Games. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Researcher- <laughs> researchers looked at data on life expectancy. And oh, just rates. data? They didn't do any, like, studies? that is Studies? They, oh, okay. They, I'll say. They, um, mm-hmm. they looked at the death rates from groups facing starvation, disease, and slavery during times such as the Irish potato famine, mm. measles epidemic in Iceland, and plantation slaves in Trinidad. All seven ah. of the groups involved in the study had extremely low life expectancy because... the harsh conditions, because of the harsh conditions. (laughs) Of course, who would have thought? One or both sexes were not expected to live longer than 20 years during these crises. In the seven crises analyzed, women survived longer than men. The study found that women outlived men by six months to four years on average. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's what I call some significant data.
1: The analysts show that during the Irish potato famine, women typically lived on average 22.4 years, while men lived on average 18.7 years.
0: Hmm.
1: During a <laughs> literally murdering it during a measles epidemic in Iceland, women lived on average 18.8 years, while men 16.7 years.
0: Measles is getting everybody. Dang, oh, yeah. like, that's a low little- It's it's over by my work. Um. Oh, yeah. Side note, uh, in Grand Rapids, there was, like, the first confirmed case of, like, kid measles a couple days ago. So that's of nice. What? Of measles. Like, of a kid having, they got measles. That's just so it's back. great. I'm so excited. It's back with a vengeance. Oh, yeah. Get vaccinated.
1: Yes, everyone, vaccinate yourself and your children. Yeah, we don't want measles, and neither do you. All right. Most of the female advantage in life expectancy during these crises was due to survival differences in infant mortality, according to the research. The findings showed that baby girls survived harsh conditions better than baby boys. Biological factors in the female survival advantage includes hormones and genetics. For example, estrogen, estrogen, The most prominent female hormone is known to have protective effects on the immune system. And testosterone, the most prominent male hormone, may suppress the immune system.
0: This is why science is important. I never would have thought that. Higher
1: testosterone levels may also cause more reckless behavior in men, which in turn could increase the risk of accidental and violent deaths, thus lowering the average life expectancy for men. I can that see. Sucks. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> sucks to suck. All right. So that was just survival analysis. Now I'm going to talk about kidnapping survival real fast. So the chances of surviving a kidnapping is higher than you think, but it's all based on circumstances. It depends mm. on where you are in the world. Is it a country where kidnap for ransom is common? And is there a kidnapping Mm. industry? Who kidnapped you and why? If you're in a location where kidnapping is, where are people who make most of it? Wait, what the fuck? (laughs) I was going to say,
0: like, that makes sense because the case, the girl that I'm going to talk about today was kidnapped for a very specific reason and it was not, you know, to be killed. So I feel like a lot of times, uh, this is just like speculation, but especially in countries where there's a lot of, um, sex trafficking, I feel like if you're kidnapped, it's more than likely that they'll want to keep you alive if it's mm-hmm. for like sexual yeah. purposes, which is unfortunate, but
1: mm-hmm. feel,
0: I feel like that might play into the statistics a little bit.
1: If you're in a location where kidnapping is commonplace, where there are people who make most of all of their money through kidnapping, your chances of survival may be pretty good. In places like that... Wait, there's
0: a, like a whole place where people get most of their money off of kidnapping?
1: That's a whole market? Probably well, like I mean, a black market. Brothels. Isn't that what it... Dang. Yeah. 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 I don't... Dang. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to know. Well, I guess I kind of want to know, so I'm aware... But right. It's just like one of those just like disheartening
0: facts like you want to know so you're aware, but then you learn and you're just like, damn.
1: In places like the U.S., kidnappers are likely to be amateurs since kidnap for ransom is a rare crime and kidnappers are Hmm. usually caught. It can be a bit more uncertain. This can pose a threat as the kidnappers may panic and hurt or kill you. If we exclude parental custodial kidnappings, then some of the major reasons may be traditional kidnap for ransom, extremist or political kidnapping, process predator kidnapping, and express kidnapping. In the case of express kidnapping, your chances of survival are usually pretty good if you cooperate and make ATM withdrawals.
0: Mm, I get it. So they like take your like I'm kidnapping you. Take me to your money, and then mm-hmm. I'll let you Pretty go. Pretty
1: self-explanatory. Political kidnappings. They use the example of ISIS and how they would kidnap Americans and people from the Western world and kill mm. them. But like other people in the Middle East, you know, they were more they were more likely to let you go if they just got what they wanted. But ISIS, they're an extremist group, and they hate Westernization, right. so they would just right. do anything to cause terror.
0: I mean, I, right? I mean, they're a terrorist group, so they're going to do what it takes to terrorize. Mm-hmm. Where in other cases, that is not their first goal. All right. So that's survival and kidnapping. What's um, mentioned, Kim and I again. We both have one specific woman that we want to talk about that is a female survivor but we do have some honorable mentions um that we would like to discuss. So the first honorable mention today is a girl by the name of Jamie Kloss. You might have heard of her her case is fairly recent mm-hmm. as and it happened about last October. So on the night of October fifteenth, two thousand eighteen, a strange dude stormed into Jamie Closs's home in Wisconsin when she she was thirteen years old at the time. A strange man stormed into the house, and then uh, the dad was like, "Yo, dude, why are you in my house?" And the guy killed the uh, dad. He was shot. Um, while this was going down, I'm sure it was more than like a, yo, dude, what are you doing? Like it was probably a big bra or whatever. Um, while this was going down, Jamie and her mother were hiding in the bathtub. Um, and they were attempting to call 911. Uh, but unfortunately the intruder heard, came in and killed the mom and took Jamie. Uh, so So the police showed up. And they found the two bodies, uh, the dad and the mom, but no Jamie anywhere in sight. So they were unsure of exactly what happened. Um, maybe they thought that Jamie killed the parents and ran away, mm-hmm. or Jamie was kidnapped, or that she was murdered and her body was somewhere else. So um, a couple months later, in January of this year, 2019, uh, they got their answer. Um, when a woman was going for her morning walk with her little dog and was approached by a frantic Jamie Closs. Um turns out that Jamie was was indeed kidnapped by this man and held captive in his home for 88 days. The man, That's crazy. his name was, yeah, the man, his name was Jake Patterson. Of he course. was 21 years old. We can put his um, Mugshot on the blog, if you want, okay. he's kind of weird looking, um. He's disgusting. I mean, m- mostly we like to focus on the women, but this guy is like, just, you can just look at him and be like, that guy is weird. Yeah. Uh, don't judge a book by his co- a cover, but this guy looks weird. Anyways. He kind of um, looks like so- Brandon
1: Dassey, if I recall. Stop. Okay. Oh, Wait, who? Bren- it's Brendan Dassey from Making a Murder. His nephew. Oh, that's not who I thought you were talking about. That's not who I thought you were talking about. Oh, okay. you thought I was talking um, about someone we went to school with? No. <laughs>
0: oh. No. 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 Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, so basically, this guy was like Jake Patterson was obsessed with Jamie Kloss. He was stalking her all along. Started watching her at the bus stop. And just watching her in her house and just, you know, straight up stalking her. Again, she is 13 and he is 21, so creepy. Um, On that night in October, he said his only motive was to get Jamie. And that he would kill anyone that got in his way of doing so. So, he held Jamie captive um, under his bed uh, with objects stacked around her. So, she was literally living underneath his bed underneath him, um, for 88 days, so, since this case is still very new, we, and, you know, obviously, she's a minor, um, the investigation is still developing, not mm-hmm. all of the information is disclosed of what exactly went on the home, all we know is that after 88 days, Jamie found a way to escape, she, uh, when Jake left his home to run errands, she, Walked out of the house, ran up to the woman walking her dog, and got herself rescued. She
1: is Mm -hmm. a survivor,
0: so shout out to you, Jamie.
1: Yes, Jamie, we're so proud of you, and that is so sad but bittersweet. (laughs) You did it, you survived. (laughs) I mean, you have to be pretty brave to do that.
0: And she's honestly, she. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, she's, I don't know, again, I don't know what happened inside the house, but obviously she did all the right things to survive an 88-day kidnapping, When mm-hmm. they tell you that if you're kidnapped, a lot of the times you're, you are, like what you're saying in the statistics, a lot of the times you don't survive unless it's for profit. This wasn't for profit. This was straight mm-hmm. out of
1: obsession. So, um, she did what she needed to do to survive. So. All righty. I'm gonna be talking about Tammy Old, Oldham. Oldham, Tammy Oldham. That's how I'm gonna say it. Oh, by Hi. the way, Joe Rogan says you have to have your to be a fist away from your microphone. A fist away. I feel like I'm more than a fist away. Would Joe approve or no? Sorry, Joe. All right. So Tammy Oldham. In 1983, 23-year-old Tammy Oldham and her boyfriend were asked to sail a 44-foot yacht from Tahiti to San Diego. Okay. I'm not sure how old her boyfriend was. I think he was around that age. And they were, like, professional sailors. Like, he had his own boat and everything. Oh. The voyage was 4,000 miles long and the furthest they would sail without stopping. Three weeks into their voyage, they found themselves caught in the middle of a Category 4 hurricane. Hitting 40-foot waves and 140-knot winds, their boat capsized. When Tammy woke up out of deep sleep, she realized that her boyfriend wasn't there and he was lost at sea. So that she said, is
0: terrifying. I know. That's so sad. Honestly, that is so sad. The ocean is so scary. Mm-hmm. So scary. There's was so like, much stuff going on.
1: It was like nighttime and everything, and um. <laughs> I don't know why this happened but he told her to go down into the sh- ship and like he was up on the ship and like the He open might have been area. like trying to steer it or something. I think so. Cuz he was like tied uh, to something. And when she went to uh, check it after the she woke up like he wasn't on the rope. Um So, surviving off canned food and peanut butter, she used a sextant and a watch to help her reach Hawaii after 41 days out at sea. And I think a sextant is something that she used to, like, measure longitude and latitude with by, like, using the sun. I don't know. Google it. So, yeah, Yeah, she reached Hawaii. Before she got to Hawaii, though, I think she saw a ship first. A fisherman, and then they, like, towed her boat in and towed her to shore. So she yeah. later wrote two books, and her book was turned into a feature film starring Shailene Woodley and Sam Claflin called Adrift. <laughs> Adrift. So good. Have Such I seen this? It, like, just came out, like, a year or two ago. Oh, I probably didn't see it. Shailene's always doing good things, though. Mm-hmm. You know who Sam Claflin is, right? Uh, Don't Google it. Let me look at his face,
0: at least. Okay. No. Really? Even wait, you look yeah, at his face? I do know who he is. I okay. know who this is. He's in The Hunger um, Games. He,
1: he, um, uh... he was in,
0: wait, who was he in... The Hunger Games. In Hunger
1: Games? I don't remember
0: his he name. Was, he was that one guy that was like a douche and then he ended up being cool and then he died. Yeah. Like, he, he came into the... Finnick. Finnick, right? Yeah, Finnick. Is it Finnick? He came oh, in there. with that old um, lady. i loved. it. Oh, that was the saddest scene. Yeah. <laughs> when they <laughs> saved the old lady from the forest that had the yeah. poison. <laughs> I love oh, Finnick. Yeah, he's so cute. <laughs> and he was in Me Before You. Yeah.
1: Right. Yes. <laughs> he is. It's oh so sad. It Started to <laughs> cry for the rest of this time. All right. Definitely check out the Wait, movie. Wait. Was in her Shailene
0: book. Woodley in *Me Before You*?
1: Sorry. No, that's the girl no. from *Game of Thrones*.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's You're her right. name? <laughs> I love her. Um, her name's Amelia Clark. Maria. Yes. We survived. Me Before You. We are female survivors. Yeah, if you saw movie. Me Before
1: You, you definitely survived something. <sighs> All right. Our, yeah. My last lady, I'll make it short. I have a short version of it. Or I can do the regular version. Doesn't matter. Whatever. So, Cora's on Amoreo, and I was mm. looking at a video, and her lawyer called her Cora, so I'm calling her Cora. In 1963, Cora was a student nurse living out of an apartment on the south side of Chicago with eight other student nurses. One night, she opened the door to a drunk man named Richard Speck. Richard Speck came into their home and murdered all eight of the women, while Cora hid under a bed and played dead for several hours. What the heck? Is there, like, a motive behind this guy? Or was he just, like... I think a, he was just... A dude. He had, like, criminal history, but he wasn't Mm. a serial killer, so... Well, he is now. Yeah. Nice Um, job, Richard. Cora punched out a bedroom window and scaled the roof of their apartment, screaming for help. Richard said he was so drunk he lost count of the women forgetting about her. When Cora said she remembered... Oh, yeah. Oops, hold on. Cora said (laughs) she... (laughs) she remembered his tattoo saying born to raise hell and that helped her assist in the witness sketch and um she went to trial and she made it her bitch and I have a a picture of her up on the blog I saw yeah because that's her walking to the trial with those sunglasses
0: and I'm like
1: holy shit yes
0: I wish that there was, like, recording of her trial. hmm That would be cool. I have but a it quote. Was the 60s.
1: Well, this is a quote from an article off of biography.com. Despite concerns about her ability to testify after her harrowing ordeal, she got a faultless performance, impressing the jury with every detail of the evening, identifying Speck unequivocally. When she was asked who murdered her eight friends, she fiercely walked right up to her Richard, pointing at his nose and said him, without any hesitation. What a bad ass bitch. Drop Mike Mike drop. And I really admire I admire that. She was very brave. And yeah, the sad you know part what? was what? Uh
0: my lady was brave too. <laughs>
1: In her trial, oh, okay. We love brave ladies. We love brave survival ladies. Yay! It's just sad though for Cora because she has to live with the fact that she opened the door to him, and she was the one that made it out. Well,
0: we all make mistakes. We do. Alrighty. Well, she was probably opening the door to help him. They were like they were nursing students. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm they sure probably was...
1: saw... I don't know. That was a time where it was very normal to open the door to people.
0: That's true. That was before the 70s when, like, serial killers became so popular. So, my... So, those were the three honorable mentions, yeah? Mm-hmm. Now, we're gonna get into the big stuff. The big leagues. Not the, the other people were. are Big leaks but here's what we decided to do a lot of our research on okay so my lady i'm gonna talk about the case of elizabeth smart Ooh, she's smart yeah good one i bet she's never heard that before <laughs> <laughs> okay um huge case however i feel like one she is a huge huge name when it comes to female survivors. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know our case, like I said. And I also feel like, um, while this was a huge case, like, we were still pretty young when this happened, so I feel like maybe a lot of listeners might not remember it or might not be as well informed about it as more of um, adults or people that are older than us who would remember this case better. Mm-hmm. Anywho, Elizabeth Smart was born on November 3rd, 1987, so that makes her 31 years old. Early life, she was born Elizabeth Ann Smart. She was born into a devout Mormon family in Salt Lake City, Utah. She was the second oldest of six children. They lived in a huge, huge house. They were pretty well off. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, the dad was a real estate developer, and so he brought in some big ball of money. She, Elizabeth, was known as kind, smart, shy, and obedient. But her family was like uber-Mormon because it's Utah. Whatever, that really didn't have anything to do with it. Um, except her religion did play a big part. Well, she uh, claimed it played a big part in her survival. Um, so her case was that when she was 14 years old... She was abducted in her home, out of her home, in Salt Lake City, by a man named Brian David Mitchell. Never trust a man with three first names. That's all I'm gonna say. Weirdo. Um, That's just not right. He kidnapped her. He was crazy. There's a lot of things that I'm probably gonna talk about her, but I want to focus on or him. But I want to focus on Elizabeth Mm because she's the survivor. So that's just what her case is all about. But more about Elizabeth, she had a big, big passion for playing the harp. Very unique. Uh, she began playing at the age of five and was said to have practiced for hours every day. And then she went to Brigham Young University, which I think is like the founder of Mormonism. So oh, I, okay. that's I think that's who Brigham Young is. Or he's a big guy in Mormonism anyways went there uh, to be a harp performance major question mark didn't know that was a thing but that was like way later in her life Um, she did her like you do you you want to be a harp performance major you do it Um, by the time though that she reached middle school she was such a popular harpist uh, she was already playing at weddings and funerals and getting paid for it And she she annually... What? She was destined... She was destined to be a harpist. Yeah. So basically, she's a very talented musician. Um, It was actually on the day of her abduction was a very, very busy day for her and the rest of the fam for a couple of reasons. So, a couple days before her abduction... Her maternal grandfather died of brain cancer, so um. the morning of her abduction, which was on June four, so yeah, June four, uh, the morning before her abduction, she attended a her grandfather's funeral, and then after that, they had to go to an like end of year award ceremony for Elizabeth School. She won. Several awards there for academics and just being super cool and smart. (laughs) So it was a very busy day (laughs) for the family. In between the funeral, right? That's a really busy day. And you get this in between the funeral and the award ceremony, the mom, her name's Lois, she had enough time to make a potato casserole for the family. So she was Whoa. at home, they all like stopped at home after the funeral to like put dinner, I, I don't know, like in a crock pot or something because she yeah. said that she put anyways, doesn't matter. So she got potato espresso. casserole. She was on the espresso. And <laughs> she burnt it and she had to open the window because she burnt the she potato what? casserole. Up. Oh my Lois, God. the mom, burnt the potato casserole. And she that's, had okay. to I, open the window. You, are you following? And they survived that? They survived the burning of the casserole.
1: Wow. I don't think yeah. I would be able to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Anywho.
0: They opened... The window, and then they came back home after the big award ceremony. They were obviously exhausted. It was a long day. They forgot to close the window. So, early the next morning, it was around, like, 1.30-ish in the morning. On June 5th, Elizabeth was awakened in her bedroom. She shared with her younger sister, Mary Catherine, who plays a big part in this case. Um, by the sound of footsteps and the feeling of cold metal against her neck. And she remembers hearing, I have a knife to your neck. Get up. If you scream, I'm going to kill you and your family. So she was like, all right, I guess I'm going to get up.
1: Oh my God. I also heard that their family had an alarm system and it wasn't set that night.
0: I did not hear that, but... I wouldn't doubt it. He, like, it... He cut through the window. Like, he cut through the window screen that was left open. Okay. So, like, I'm wondering if because it was already open... Yeah. Or if because he didn't go through a door. Yeah. You know what I mean? Easy um, entrance. If it went... Right. Um, also, another crazy thing about this case is that they could have probably pretty easily found Mitchell's prints... Except mm-hmm. right away, since Mary... Mary Catherine, the younger sister, also woke up when this happened. But, she, you know, she was nine when this happened. Mm-hmm. And so she was terrified. She was pretending to be asleep, but low-key, she was, like, kind of trying to gather evidence. She was, like, looking at the guy, trying to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on. But, you know, she's nine, so she's just kind of hiding. Yeah. Um. So there could have been a lot of evidence. Like, a lot of prints and stuff. and But... So, Mary Catherine immediately, like, got out of the room and, like, woke up her parents as soon as she thought that she was safe to do so. Yeah. And so, like, immediately her parents were like, oh my God, like, what's going on? Where's Elizabeth? Like, they were on it immediately. Um, so, they immediately started calling the police. They started calling people over for a search party and family. They have a really big family, but they invited so many people into their home right afterwards to, like, gather to go look for her that... The house was completely contaminated with different types of evidence. Yeah. So they couldn't really, like... The PD couldn't really distinguish what was what. Um. They interviewed a detective. And he was just basically, like, the, you know, the responding police officers. It was, like, a night shift, so usually it's more of newcomers. Uh. They mm-hmm. didn't follow the right procedures. They didn't do their job right. He was, like, blaming... Those first respondents mm-hmm. uh, for not sealing off the home. Because it's contaminated with so many prints. Yes.
1: So that sucks. Sucular. But
0: by 4 a.m. So this happens around 1.30 to 2 a.m. By 4 a.m. There's already hundreds of people out searching for Elizabeth. Which is nice. But they yeah. are already like way up into the woods. Because that's where their campground was. They had a whole campground set up. Um... In the forest where his wife, the crazy Wanda Barzee, was waiting for them. So basically what happened was Mitchell believed that he was a prophet. He thought his name was Emmanuel. He was a prophet of Jesus, of God. And he said that Jesus told him that he needed Elizabeth to make her his wife. And so immediately... They got to this camp in the middle of the Utah forest, had a weird, bizarre wedding ceremony. Um, So now he's a polygamist because he's married, well, not married, but he thinks he's married to Elizabeth and Wanda, Um, declared smart to be his wife, and then he was like, well, we have to consummate the marriage. And so he raped her. I watched this documentary with Elizabeth, like it was from Elizabeth's perspectives, and she Mm -hmm. said she remembers telling Mitchell, like, you cannot do this to me. Like, I'm a child. I haven't even started my period yet. And when she said this, Mitchell paused for a second, long enough to consider, and then he, like, yelled out to Wanda and was like, is it okay if she hasn't started her period yet? And Wanda was like, yeah, it's fine. And that was that. Disgusting. I know. They're both disgusting human beings. But Elizabeth... Was so incredibly smart. She played her card so right. Uh, They they kidnapped her. They held her hostage for nine months. And she lived through all of it. I mean, they starved her. They drugged her. They forced her to drink alcohol. They raped her every single day. Sometimes more than once a day. Mm -hmm. All because um, he was a prophet of some made up religion that he made up. So like... He made up the religion, basically, because he was crazy and severely mm-hmm. mental mentally ill. Meanwhile, the family is still trying to find Elizabeth. Mary Catherine is, like, trying her best to remember the events of the night, trying to remember the face. Um, eventually, Elizabeth and Mary Catherine, not at the same time, obviously, realize who this man was. Because they say that... You know, a lot of the kidnappings are done by people that the person knows or is close mm-hmm. to. So Brian David Mitchell was actually hired by Elizabeth's dad to repair their roof a couple months oh, prior. Yeah. Um, so like while he was up working on the roof, he said like from first sighting he knew that he needed Elizabeth to be his wife.
1: Ew. Um, yeah, gross. Um, Oh, my God, I have to tell he, you something. Go ahead. One time, my mom was remodeling the bathroom, and my room's in the basement, so I woke up one morning, and... I remember this. I remember this. <laughs> and, like, there was a guy, like, up above like the staircase looking down at me and he was like hey your mom said there's paint down there and he like started walking down the stairs you were freaking and the freak even, out yeah i didn't even know who he was i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god i called my mom freaking out and she was like mm-hmm. it's just our neighbor it's fine oh my god <laughs> i wonder what he was thinking well, he was probably thinking, what do I do to
0: make this kid think that I'm not about to kidnap her? <laughs> I totally thought he was. I mean, I would, that would probably be my first assumption. <laughs> Guilty until proven innocent, especially when you woke me up out of a dead sleep.
1: Yeah. Like, you just can't ask that. You can't be like, yeah. hey, there's paint down there, and immediately start coming yeah. down there. Yeah, likely
0: story. That's what they yeah. all say. Alright, anyways, these people were crazy, they chained her up, um, but she played by the rules. Every step of the way, um, they threatened to kill her and her family, so, you know, and she's 14, so her rational mind is like, I have to do what I can to protect these people. I mean, I think it doesn't matter if she's 14, but whatever. So she played by their rules, and she spent so much time with them that she learned how to beat them at their own game. Mm-hmm. They were so crazy religious that she could just be like, well, Jesus told me this, can you ask him? And, like, kind of, and eventually do some it. mind trickery on them. They traveled from Utah to California, back to Utah. Along the way, she was brought out in public so many times. They, like, dressed her up. I can put pictures in the blog. Not in, like, a nun suit because they were wearing, like, all white, but, like, it looked like... I don't even know what it looked like. I'll have to just put it up. Like, it looked like they were wearing white sheets, but it was covering their whole body, like, wrapped like a toga, and then covering everything but their eyeballs around their face. hmm So, they were brought out in public multiple times in weird dress garb. um, But nobody questioned it. Everyone just thought it was weird. Like, they gave them weird stares... Um, Mm -hmm. we're just like, can I help you? And we're like, super rude. Um, before they went to California, they were, they went to a local library in Utah to like discuss their moving plans. So they were all in the library, like gathered around this table and a homicide detective actually came up to them and was like, yo, there's this missing person. I need to check this girl's face to see if it's her. And, Brian David Mitchell was actually like, No, this is my daughter, and the only person that's ever going to be able to see her face is me or her husband. Please respect our religious beliefs. So he played it off as like a religious uniform. I don't know the correct word for that, but religious dress.
1: Wow, that's so. Yeah, and they were, and the
0: homicide detective was like, Yeah, okay. Like it was right after 9 11, so he wasn't going to be like, No, like take all this off, I need to see him right oh, now. Yeah, really? it was 2002. So, like, it was t- oh testy God, waters. So, they didn't want to, you know,
1: yeah, play, yeah. it's a fine
0: line. They didn't want to play that, that makes game. makes a lot of
1: sense. Um,
0: they also brought her to, like, a house party. A huge house party. So, in the documentary that I watched, apparently, um, Salt Lake City has a huge counterculture. Because, apparently, they're, they, this is their quote, you're either Mormon or you're, like, way against Mormonism so the counterculture is huge there so they went to this like weird party like with fire dancers and like hard drugs and like just scary people especially to a 14 year old and nobody said anything there's actually pictures of her at the party and with people talking to them and. Nobody said anything,
1: That's crazy. and
0: eventually um, Mitchell got super drunk and just started screaming at everybody. It was like you guys are a bunch of sinners. You gotta like profess your sins to like Jesus, and they got um, he got kicked out because he was so annoying. And then one guy was interviewed, and he even said that he remembers talking to Elizabeth and telling her you need to ditch this guy. Like, he thought that it was his girlfriend or his, like, actual wife. And the guy was like, you need to ditch this Mitchell character. He's oh so freaking God. annoying. You should leave
1: him. And he remembers, yeah. like... It's like the angel on her shoulder. Yeah.
0: And then, well, and then Elizabeth was just, like, staring at him. And he, I was interviewed, and he felt so guilty afterwards because he had no idea. Really? He had no idea. It was her. I have to see
1: that. Uh, it's on Netflix. Wow. I bet he feels great about saying that.
0: I mean, I, yeah, it sucks, but it's like they were probably super drunk, probably doing some drugs. Yeah, he's probably
1: trying to get laid.
0: Yeah, and then one guy That's was even like, it. you have
1: beautiful eyes,
0: because the only thing of hers that were showing were her eyes, because
1: everything else was covered up in that cloth. Oh my God. Seriously. Anywho. Uh, Can't they see that, that it doesn't make sense, though, that, like... These the people Mormon look freaking weird. People... These people yeah, look these, weird. Like, they don't look are right. Partying? Like,
0: not like, it's not even like that. They're dressed strangely, but like the cloth is like dirty. Like it looks like they've been camping for days because they have been. They live <laughs> in the woods, so it's like this white cloth yeah. that's like muddied and stained. And like, if that's your religious dress, then you're gonna keep it looking nice. You're not gonna, you know what I mean? People mm-hmm. should have been extremely alerted. I Yeah. I don't blame them, but I kinda blame them.
1: Ugh. Anywho. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know. Yeah, that. so meanwhile,
0: her family's still looking for her. Um, they think that it was this guy named his last name's Reese. I can't remember his first name. I think it's Michael. That's always Michael. Mm. Oh, Richard Um. So there's this man named Richard Reese who everyone thought was the man who did it uh, because he was another handyman that worked at the smart house around the same time. Mm -hmm. And he was well known for being a criminal. Like he stole thousands of dollars from their house and they like forgave him for it. And he was just, like, a weird-looking dude. Like, he looked creepy. He was already in prison before, so they were like, it just makes sense that he's the one that did it. So he eventually was arrested for something else. Like, he had a a warrant or whatever. And so while he was in jail, they were just continually, like, persecuting him. Like, you did it. We know you did it. he was like, I didn't freaking do it. Um, But they were just, like, hell-bent that this was the guy that did it. Um eventually yeah. he died. He had a brain aneurysm in prison? in prison. And but like they were still like this sucks because we know he's the one that did it, and now we're never gonna mm-hmm. find her or her body. But then eventually, you know, Mary Catherine, who was a little sister in the room, was like just praying one night and she said all of a sudden the name Emmanuel came to her head like came into her head. She's like, I just heard the name Emmanuel, Emmanuel. And then she remembered the the guy that worked on his roof because mm-hmm. um he went by Emmanuel cuz he's freaking crazy and he thought that was his actual name, whatever. So then the family was like, well, we could publish this. Like we know what this guy looks like, we know his name now, but we don't want to like scare him off. Basically, like we don't mm-hmm. want him to go into hiding and make it harder to find. So they held on to the information for a little bit, um, whatever, eventually they released- Go with your gut! Right, eventually they released it, and they got tons of people calling in, like, we have seen this guy, and eventually Mitchell's ex-wife called America into America's Most Wanted and was like, oh my god, this is my ex-husband, he continuously raped my daughter, his stepdaughter, now she's suicidal. He left because he, he started dating that Wanda chick, and I haven't seen him since. So they were basically they're like, yeah, that's him.
1: She should have reported him.
0: was well, she raping her daughter? I feel like she might have, but, like, he went undercover. Like, he,
1: I, I don't swear, even know. If she didn't, though, that might have stopped him from doing mm-hmm.
0: this. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is being starved, raped, drugged, but she's playing the game, like she's playing it smart. She's doing what she needs to do to survive, and it works because eventually um, they found her. Like someone reported them walking down the street, and the police came right away. Um, and for a while, though Elizabeth, for forty-five minutes, Elizabeth refused to say that she was Elizabeth Smart because she was so scared. Because they were asked that, like. Uh, Mitchell and Barzi were still right there during the whole time. So after 45 minutes, she's like, fine, I am Elizabeth Smart. And they saved her. Well, she saved herself, really. Um, yeah. But right away, that same night that she came home, like, obviously she had to go to the police station and the hospital and stuff, but the first night that she came home after nine months of being kidnapped, she... Her mom was like, you know what, we're thinking of having, like, a sleepover in the parents' bedroom. Because, you know, like, they're freaking terrified. Like, their daughter just came home. They're scared, yeah. And Elizabeth was like, no, I'm sleeping in my bed. I'm never going to let anyone ruin my life. Like, I'm living my life. And she never looked back. Yeah. She was, like, completely, like, whatever. Like, this happened. I'm going to move on. She didn't even go to therapy. She didn't even go to therapy. I don't even know. That's um, good. So Brian David Mitchell and Wanda Barzee were arrested um, and tried, but they were they couldn't they were deemed unfit to stand trial because they were so freaking crazy. Apparently, Mitchell got kicked out of court multiple times because when they were trying to ask him questions, he would just start singing hymns over them, and like like just start loudly singing hymns. And they kicked him out multiple times. So it took them eight years to actually try them for kidnapping. And just like you were talking about with the Cora girl, um, she, Elizabeth, killed it in the courtroom. Good. Um, She slayed that courtroom. She slayed it. Um, Okay, so he got, like, life in prison. Wanda Barzee got 15 years, but then she was let out early. She actually freaking got out of prison last freaking year. What? Uh, the heck let's go find her we need to find her this up um no i'm just kidding so remarkably smart managed to return to a relatively normal life she only after a few weeks after her return she hiked to the camp with her family where she was held captive and then she returned she didn't
1: learn her lesson (laughs) shut up (laughs) well that's why you go to prison yeah to learn no, no, no. Did Elizabeth did.
0: Oh. She was like, this is what happened. She, like, went through, she, like, walked everyone through, like, this is where I was, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, she went to school, like, as soon as she could, right back to it. And she graduated high school in 2006. Then she went to college to become a heart performance major, like I said. Now she's an activist on behalf of kidnapping survivors and child victims of violence and sexual Abuse. She has her own foundation called the Elizabeth Smart Foundation, which aims to empower children and provide resources and trauma support support for victims and families. Um, so she also has like the movie that I watched called My Story, and the autobiography. Would you watch that? So the My Story is like a Lifetime movie, but I promise it's not that cheesy. Oh. And then there is an e two part. Like documentary called Elizabeth Smart Autobiography, that's on Annie, and she has two books, and she's married mm. and has three kids. So Elizabeth Smart her. is a survivor. She's yes. a very good harp player. Courageous. I've seen it.
1: She's a courageous woman, and I am proud of her. Good job, Elizabeth Smart. You are she, smart. She was very smart. I just have to say, though, like being in her hometown that whole time and no one noticing, he right. had so many opportunities to kill her because um, she could have started screaming and making he, a scene. Every
0: second of the way, she, he threatened that if she screamed or ran, he would kill her immediately and kill, go back and kill her entire family because he said that he knew how to get into the house and so knew the layout of the house. Yeah. Which is also crazy is that, like, on the third or fourth night, there was a huge search party. It was actually a huge, like, one of the biggest search parties. I heard 10,000 people were out looking for her, and she heard her uncle's voice in the woods calling her name. Like, he was extremely, extremely Uh close. was like, Elizabeth, are you there? And um, Mitchell was like, if you yell out to him, I will kill you, and then, then I will kill him. So she didn't say anything and That's they and then so he,
1: heartbreaking. I know.
0: So there was multiple times, imagine. yeah, where it could have been possible, but the guy was just an ever looming, dooming presence over her that she was just it was just too terrifying.
1: Elizabeth oh. Smart is a survivor. But you can watch the Elizabeth Smart like movie, the
0: Lifetime movie. It's on Netflix. Like, I literally just searched yeah. Elizabeth and the first thing that came up, and then the A&E documentary I watched on, like, Xfinity On Demand, and it's free to watch, so... Okay. Sponsor us, Netflix,
1: sponsor us, Xfinity. Sponsor us. <laughs> and A&E. And oh, A&E, definitely. and Lifetime. Buckle up. No, really, though? You need to buckle up, because... <laughs> I get it! That's exactly what my girl did. <laughs> She was buckled in, and that's how she survived. Stop it! All right. You're the worst. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Today, I'm gonna be talking about Julianne Cupkey. Cupcake. Alrighty. Cupkey. Oh, less exciting, but okay. <laughs> You're recording, right? Yeah. I swear, yeah. You're not recording. I'm recording. Okay, I'm kidding. No, you're not. Julian Kupke was a German Peruvian, just graduating out of high school, 17 years old to be exact. Her dad was a biologist who lived. Oh wait, rewind. Bzzz. Her.
0: Her dad was a. Bi- I squeal, okay. is back.
1: All right, her dad was a biologist who loved to research wildlife in the jungle. He was from Germany and moved to Peru's Amazonian rainforest for his works, and that is where Julianne was born. Her and her parents lived in a simple hut where she tended to animals. On Christmas Eve of 1975, sorry, I gotta make sure I'm a fist away <laughs> julianne <laughs> julianne and her mother boarded a plane from lima to Pucalpa. her father's hut was in pukelpa but her school was in lima so she spent a lot of time living in between those areas mm. and the reason why was because her school was so far from home and she was attending a German-Peruvian school. What It was so, such a
0: popular thing that they made a whole school for it? There's that many yeah, Germans like, in Peru? She's
1: German descent, but born in Peru. And I guess there was a lot of German people there. That's surprising. Who would have thought? Yeah, not me. Julian was excited to get on the flight to see her dad. However, her mom was worried. And that's because the plane they were on was a lands of flight. And Lands of Plains had recently been having issues and crashing uh, everywhere. Uh, f- yeah. I would not get on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The first 25 minutes of the flight were normal. Then it became increasingly cloudy, flying into dark, dense clouds. Her mother became anxious, seeing the sight of a storm but it didn't really phase julianne she was by the window her mom was in the middle seat and there was a heavy set guy sitting in the aisle seat i don't really know why that's important but they always say that in her stories
0: <laughs> maybe it is important somehow we'll find out it's
1: it's really not important okay. I think they just like to bring it up. Maybe they just want it to be known to be like that. To be petty. Yeah. The plane flew into the storm, and okay, so the plane flew into a storm, and there was flashing of lights and pitch blackness. "Quote," suddenly I saw blinding, incredibly white flash of light on the right wing. It looked as if lightning struck one of the engines. Her mother screamed, "This is the end!" Oh. And, That's dramatic. Yeah. That's if my mom said that, I would not know. I would not know what to think. Yeah, I know. I would be terrified. After that, she didn't remember things, but she remembered being in a nose dive, going almost vertically down. Oh my gosh! And people screaming in horror. Yeah. And stuff flying around the plane. Yeah. Typical. My worst fear. Yeah, for real. I don't know why I pick stories like this, and I'm always looking at plane crash stories, but oh. Oh. I, I would, oh, no. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> all of a sudden, she was outside of the plane, suspended in midair, still in her seat, all alone with her row of seats. Turns out, Julianne had been ejected from the plane and fell 10,000 feet down into the middle of the Peruvian rainforest. Whoa, 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 Oh, Hannah. Wait, did she get uh, caught by
0: something? Oh, we're getting to Oh, because I was going to say it. She's just dangling there.
1: Julianne's row of seats landed in a tall trees that were intertwined with vines. This broke her fall. And then her seat spun around, falling and striking the ground. Ugh! How like how, okay. do you know how high of a fall it was from there? Um, I don't. Oh, also, I guess when she was falling from the sky, she was kind of like zoning in and out. But the seatbelt around her, mm-hmm. hmm, or the buckle, was like choking her. Yeah. Not choking her, but, but like, like it was squeezing, squeezing her. against her
0: stomach at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least it saved I'm her just picturing from that falling out. And
1: I'm grossed out. Yeah, she woke up out of deep, out of a deep concussion, and she was in the jungle. At first, she could barely see at all. Her left eye was swollen shut. Her right, she could only see through a narrow slit. She had lost her glasses, only had one sandal, and quote, a thin, skimpy miniskirt on. Bad traveling herself, okay. attire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone knows the code is to wear sweatpants on a plane. We all, yeah. Maybe
0: it wasn't like that well known in the 70s, though.
1: Pajamas were a thing. That's true. We all wore Just pajamas. <laughs> her right clavicle was fractured and overlapped. Mm. Her calf had a long cut an inch deep, mm. but she wasn't bleeding. And she had a wound on her arm.
0: Tucker! Oh my God, Tucker!
1: (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) Tucker! Why? Why is he crying? He was doing good. He was doing very good.
0: I locked Athena out. She's downstairs.
1: The story was just getting juicy. He was probably getting spooked. He's scared. He's He's like, no,
0: no, no." (laughs) I'm not (laughs) jumping (laughs) in.
1: Stop. Don't ask him what he wants. He's going to keep barking now. I'm just going to jump back into it. So, her right clavicle was fractured and overlapped. Her calf had had a long cut an inch deep, but she wasn't bleeding, and she had a wound on her arm. When she looked up into the trees above her, she saw all the branches intact, there was no sign of a giant plane crashing through the area. She was all alone. When she finally had the strength to get up, she searched for her mother, but there was no sign of her. And she laid under her row of seats that she was sitting in for several days, and the seats were angled upside down so she could squeeze below yeah, them. Yeah, like, the like a shelter. Yeah. yeah, very smart. On the third day, she roamed the forest further. Finding the plane's engine. She said Crescent chickens were her saviors. Whoa. And when she heard their call, Crescent chickens? It's like a type of chicken breed in the Amazonian. I did not know language. they were Amazon chickens. Need to Google. Me Google it. They're cool looking, they don't look like your average chicken. Crescent chickens. They they make like weird noises. That's how she knew it was them. All
0: I get is cheese chicken
1: casserole when I Google it. (laughs) (laughs) So, when she heard the chickens call, she followed the sound because she knew there would be water. Let's not forget that her father is a biologist. He studies animals, so she's she's around all that. Yeah, she's very educated in animals. In that rainforest. Four days later, she found another row of seats with three dead bodies. It was the only contact she ever had with people of the flight. Quote, The seats were stuck into the ground, drilled three feet in like a bullet. Oh my
0: god. So they didn't get caught by the trees?
1: Nope. What, did she ever find her mom? Three women were sitting there. It looked like they were killed instantly. Driven into the soil, head first, only their feet stuck out. She was horrified about it, but approached the body to see if it was her mother. I could, like, she's so brave for this. So she took a tree branch to knock off their shoes, and she realized that their nail polish was painted, or their Mm -hmm. toes were painted, Mm -hmm. and her mom never painted her toes. So, Uh, neither of them were her mom. That's sad. uh, The only thing she found at the crash site was a bag of candy and a Christmas cake. And the Christmas cake was completely soaked and full of mud. She tried to eat it, but couldn't, so she left it behind, not realizing how much she would need it. While she was searching there, she heard a sound of dripping water. She found a tiny stream, and she knew to follow it to get out of the jungle. Small bodies of water flows into larger bodies, so she knew she would eventually find help. Eventually, she reached a creek. She reached La Chabania, a giant river that ran through the forest. Julian walked along and swam through the river for miles and miles. And while she walked through this, she was hearing planes above her, Mm. which is so... It's like such a tease. that's like when someone lays down a steak in front of you and you're starving. yeah. yeah. after a few days, though, she realized that the sounds of the planes had stopped, and the search was off, so uh, she was all on her own
0: that's that goes back until the Elizabeth Smart, like she, there was like multiple helicopters like search helicopters that were coming for her. And mm-hmm. they
1: never found yeah. her. Elizabeth Smart knew people were looking for her. Mm-hmm. No, she did. Like and it yeah, gave her like hope you Said too. she heard her uncle for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah, I have. I would like to think that I would be like help and like scream, but you just never know she in was that situation. Yeah. So
0: she was the only
1: survivor. So, yes. Mm-hmm. She felt no hunger at all, and besides the candy, she ate nothing. She did drink a lot of water, though. And the wound on her arm had been growing flesh flies. Ew. And maggots hatched and ate into her flesh. Yeah. That's fucking nasty. That's awful. Raven somehow nasty. Oh, stop. That's nasty. <laughs> you nasty. Yeah, she was horrified about it, but really had no other resources to clean it. Right. So being as smart as she was, she knew she was running out of time. And if she didn't get her arm clean, she would eventually be an amputee. So she was just like, really in survival mode uh-huh. now. Like, Let's go. Let's get out. Julianne would swim down the river and see crocodiles, stingrays, and snakes. She saw crocodiles dive down at her, but she knew if she'd was calm everything would be fine. She was brave because her dad being a wildlife biologist, she was educated in these animals. Mm. And there's actually a movie like a feature film. I was looking at that. Reenactment. Yeah, what what can I yeah. watch it on? And they they you can watch it but she says that it's portrayed incorrectly wrong
0: because
1: Damn it. In the, Oh, is yeah, it called like, Wings of Hope. Movie, no, that's the documentary that I watched. You and and should watch good? that. Okay. Yes, but on the actual dramatic film, miracles an still happen. Her, I think so. They just make it feel like kind of. I don't know. She was like, "No, that's wrong. I'm not feeling
0: oh, that." Oh yes. Um, it was in 1974 movies, so you know it's not good, because I don't think any movies come yeah. out of the 70s. No offense. At
1: dusk, she would find a place where she had protection for her back, like a small slope or a thick tree trunk, and then she would cover herself with leaves. But the mosquitoes almost ate her alive, because all she was wearing was that miniskirt. Hmm. Ew. Freaking skirts.
0: never, never good for you. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing you learn from this, it's that mini skirts are just never predictable. Are the devil.
1: <laughs> you can't trust them. For ten days, she stuck to her route. Then on the eleventh day, she sat down in a sandbank, grown very weak. She decided to take a nap. But, when, but what she didn't realize was that there was a boat right in front of her. What? And when she woke up, she approached the boat. And then she discovered a small path and went towards it. And it went up a slope. But, like, there was no one on the boat. What? She was about to steal it. I also hear that she took the gasoline from the boat and she, like, dumped it into her wound and it killed all the maggots. I mean. Yeah, she's really smart.
0: Uh, is it? Ooh. Yeah.
1: I would not even trust that. I'm very afraid of gasoline. I would not pour gasoline (laughs) gasoline into my open wound. Yeah. (laughs) I do not mess with gasoline. Mm. She's brave and intelligent. She does it all. So, when she walked up the path, there was, like, a little hut, and she slept in it. And the next morning there was three fishermen that found her. Hmm. So, Julianne had survived a plane crash, fell 10,000 feet from the sky, and spent 11 days alone starving in the Amazonian rainforest. My God. She eventually... I know. Feminism. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She eventually built the strength to bring... Search teams to the crash site, but there were no survivors. Mm. Since then, today, she says she has lost all confidence in pilots and planes, listening to every noise and paying attention to paths over mountains. Wow. I would not even get on a plane. No, never. Ever. Oh, that makes me nervous. I'm sorry, I don't mean to scare you. But that's, that's like old, that's old I mean, planes have gotten so much
0: better recently.
1: Yeah. Besides anything in Malaysia. Don't go there. Shut up. I'm serious. I've been following all of that. I told Brennan I wanted to follow a story, and lately I've been following this Malaysian flight crash. It is crazy. I will send you the video on it after this. You have to know this stuff. All right, <laughs> I will study. Debris from the Lands of Flight are still there today, and she visits it in the Wings of Hope documentary, which you can find on YouTube for free. And Julian said this was a therapeutic journey for her. After the crash, Julianne went on to study biology at the University of Kiel in Germany, receiving her doctorate degree. She returned to Peru to research mammology, and then she like wrote the study of a mammals. memoir. Yeah. That's she thing. wrote a memoir called When I Fell from the Sky, and this is being turned into a feature film starring Sophie Turner. When
0: is that coming out?
1: Yes! I don't know, but, like, I don't even think you can find stuff on it right mm-hmm. now. I've been Googling about it, and I haven't seen anything on it. Interesting. What's Sophie Turner? She's in Game of Thrones. Mm hmm, mm mm-hmm. She's Joe Jonas's fiance. That's what I thought. Okay. And she's in the new X Men.
0: Yes, she's the, the redhead
1: in the X Men. Is she not? Yeah. Yes. She, what is it? Dark Phoenix. Yes. Oh, I see it. I she's love the redhead. Her. She's beautiful. She is. And if you p- compare pictures to her and Julianne, she they do look alike. Mmm. Julianne, being the only survival of Lands of Flight 508, continues to haunt her to this day, but there is no doubt of her being a courageous and intelligent woman, even at such a young age. The end. Wow. That is so brave. Thank you for surviving, Julianne. (laughs) You got anything on here? Got any what? Things?
0: Well, no, right now I'm just looking at pictures of Sophie Turner. <laughs> Isn't she pretty? <laughs> she is pretty. She's I'm gorgeous. trying to decide. So in the new X-Men movie, she's the one that like takes over the world, right? Because they're like... Ahh.
1: She's like the main character of the newest X-Men movie called Dark yeah, Phoenix. She right, is the but dark the, Phoenix. Last,
0: the last X-Men movie, she was just like a normal girl.
1: I think so. I haven't seen any of the X-Men films, but I'm pretty sure there's stuff in it that leads up to her character like that. But she's not the little girl in Logan, if that's what you're thinking.
0: No. No. I don't know. Okay. But the new one, they're like, it's still her. She's, like, possessed or something. Like, she turns evil all of a sudden.
1: They're like, why are you here?
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening to Lush Ladies tonight. Be sure to check out our blog, our Instagram, our Twitter if you are curious about our next episode topic. It's all at Lush Ladies Pod. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, we are lushladiespod at gmail.com We have a website, lushladiespod.com. Again, thanks for listening. We love you mucho. Peace out.